Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, my first guest today created one of the most iconic fictional characters in the 21st century in Ireland. He's also brought Ireland's most famous nightclub to the stage as Coppers. The musical returns to the Olympia this week. It's great to welcome Paul Howard to the studio. Paul, you're very welcome. Great to be here, Bobby. Thanks. Now, firstly, are you glad that Coppers is back on the stage? What, oh. what, what brought this resurgence in this great institution? <laughs> well, I'm <clears throat> delighted it's back on the stage because it's two years since we were in the theatre, or three years since we were in the theatre. Um, I missed the theatre while I was I missed going to the theatre. It was one of the things that, uh, you know, I miss most during the lockdown. Uh, and this show in particular, it's just especially dear to my heart. We... We put it on the stage for the first time in 2018 and there was just this huge reaction to it. Um, it was completely sold out like the week of the show. My family couldn't <coughs> get tickets to see it. Wow. Like that's, and that was down to the cast, really. They were, they were um, just such a phenomenal cast we have. But also <clears throat> people's love of Copperface Jacks. Um, it's, it's an Irish institution. Um, it's... It's just a place that people associate with a great night out and great fun. Isn't it amazing when you think about, I suppose, you know, Ireland culturally, you know, you can move from, you know, schoolboy rugby mm. in Donnybrook in Dublin 4. And then if you want to get the heart of rural Ireland in mm. Dublin, you just go to Coppers. And even though it's it's a rural strong, stronghold, Dublin people love it as well. Yeah, they do. Um, I I went there regularly during my my twenties when I was single, um, mainly because I, I was too ugly to get into Reinhardt's or Lilies. <laughs> uh, the bouncers, the bouncers used to see me coming, and they would say, "I don't think this guy is going to visually enhance the place." So sometimes they shout when I, before I even cross the road, "Don't bother." Um, so so coppers became my place. And what what was what's wonderful wonderful about about uh, Copperface Jacks is you always knew you were going to get in. It didn't matter how you were dressed. The, you know, during the, the Celtic Tiger years in particular, there was this move towards, you know, kind of exclusivity in nightclubs, VIP areas and all that kind of thing. With Coppers, uh, say if 30 girls came up from Kilkenny for a, a, a match at Croke Park or 40 lads came up from Offaly and... Uh, in their in their inter county jersey, the they lads. knew they were going to get in. Exactly, they were going to get get into, it and they could all meet there. There was no, not going to be a chance. Some would get in, and some wouldn't get in. Um, so, so Irish people have a have a great affection for the place. And um, with the musical, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to give people what they got from Coppers, which was you know loads of. Uh, floor filling tunes teachers and nurses teachers and nurses and guards and people who work in the VHI and uh, <laughs> and and just plenty of laughs you know that's and that's what the show is about that's great just just touching on covid you mentioned it there how was it for you those like as a writer as a creative person did it allow you time to to build up some work <laughs> or did you like people still read the articles in the irish times yeah People still read your books. So was it a productive time for you or was it a weird time? No, it was productive for me, but it was just work. Yeah. And that's not good for anyone, no. you know. So I had about two years where I, I mean, I was essentially working seven days a week during COVID just for want of anything else to do. There was yeah. nothing else to do. So I just thought I might as well try and get on top of work. Probably took on too much work. 
but I, I'd moved into writing children's books as well. And I did this uh, children's series with Gordon Darcy, Gordon's Game. We did three books. Uh, and then I started this new series called uh, Aldrin Adams and the Cheese Nightmares. And that was my main lockdown project, really, about this uh, little boy who, when he eats cheese just before he goes to sleep at night and he thinks really, really hard about somebody, he can get into their nightmares and help fix them. You, you say that cheese is your drug of choice. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Oh, look, we, you know, when, I, when we're doing the shopping, we, 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 we get to that Sheridan's cheese counter in Dunn's stores and I can't pass it. Like, you know, but like Mary, my wife, has to drag me by the ankles away from it. I cannot stop eating cheese. I love it. I absolutely love it. But I get really colourful dreams after eating cheese, yeah. sometimes, sometimes nightmares. And that's where the idea for the book came because Mary gets them as well. So quite often, like when we go to a restaurant, we always finish with cheese. So the nightmares uh, worth the cheese or, or the cheese is worth the nightmare. Yeah, completely. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, you, you've, you've been a sports writer since the 90s. Mm. And again, just coming back to your to, to your work and your, you, mu- you must be a very curious person. And I think I refer, you referred to uh, learning from Maeve Binchy, yeah. the art of eavesdropping. Yeah. Uh, and how important that that might be for your work. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, when I was about 15, uh, my English teacher, Jerry Murta, um, sent me to a talk that Maeve Binchy was giving in Dunleary Shopping Centre in an old, in a shop, a bookshop called The Bookstop. And she was talking to people who wanted to become writers and she explained her modus operandi, which I just loved. She said, Become to become a to be to be a good writer, you have to be a good listener. So she said, "Listen, when you're listening to somebody, don't just listen to the words that are being said. Listen to, you know, the 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 way the conversation is going, the ebb and flow, who's trying to dominate, who's being passive aggressive, all those kind of things." Um, and that always came out in Maeve's dialogue. Maeve's dialogue was never like sort of TV script dialogue. Uh, which tends to be ba 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 You know, everybody gets 50-50 in TV scripts. With Maeve, she was able to do that. Somebody would completely dominate a conversation. So she taught me to listen to those things and also to eavesdrop. And most of, certainly the early Ross O'Carroll Kelly material, the first probably six or seven books, were based solely on things I overheard on the 46A, the Dart, uh, you know, Kylie's, Evoke Hamweavers. This was the era as well when... And did you go, make it your business to go to these places oh God, to pick a, up material? On yeah. a Thursday night, my column was due on a Friday morning when I was with the Sunday Tribune, the Ross column. And on a Thursday night, if I didn't know what I was going to write about, I would go to Kylie's and I would sit on a stool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Mary and Kylie's uh, knew me well, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I would, sort of, I would just sit there and, and, and something would fall into my lap. So it's also coupled with the the ability to listen and pick up things. The power of observation is also key to your to, to the brilliant work you do. So spotting something that you know that others would maybe miss and remembering it. Yeah, it's about spotting trends, I suppose. It's it kind of gets a bit a, a bit more difficult as you get older because young people, you know, I'm not young anymore, and you know, yeah, the, the the world seems to change so quickly for young people. Um, but it's about staying on top of things like like WhatsApp when WhatsApp came out first. Uh, 
uh, a couple of friends of mine are in um, they, who, who have children are in school WhatsApp groups, and they were just sort of showing me some of the WhatsApp things. You know, they, like you know, does anybody have the geography homework? And forty eight people say no, 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 and the phone is just pinging all night. So I started writing about the the, the WhatsApp groups, and when I do live shows, because uh, I, I do kind of live readings and a, bit, a little bit of stand up. Uh, people always want to hear the WhatsApp one because that's their experience. Yeah. They've, they've lived through that, that yeah. hell of being a member of this group that just won't let you sleep or rest. And is it very is it very sort of localised? Because I think I heard you talk about, you know, your your stage performance, your storytelling that you did in Belfast and maybe the audience wasn't as clued in as we are yeah. down here to your work. How did that go down with, the, with a bunch of hard Nordies? Well, I, it was in the rock bar in the Falls Road and the Falls Road wouldn't be, wouldn't be rugby territory. Um, but uh, I, I went and I read and, you know, Danny Morrison, who was arranging the festival, said to me afterwards, oh, no, no, they, they loved it. And I said this to me subsequently, but all I can remember is people looking at me. I had no Deadly idea silence. what I was talking about. But Casey Taylor was fighting that day for the gold medal at the London Olympics. And uh, they, they, midway through the reading, they they sort of, they said, you know, we have to interrupt you there. We They pulled down the screen. We watched Katie Taylor win the medal. The national anthem came on in the rock bar. And then they said, away you go. Uh, carry on reading. But I, I mean, you know, I, I, they an did, interesting intermission. Then. They, they laughed at different points, which was kind of interesting. I had a character called Regina Rathfryland. And when I, when I said her name, the whole room burst out laughing. And I couldn't understand because this wasn't a joke. I'm always looking for surnames for characters all the time. If I hear something interesting or see, so I'll write yeah. that down. So I'll use that name. And I got Rathfryland as a, as a town um, close yeah. to the border or village. And uh, I'd obviously gotten from a road sign uh, while driving south, but this was a, an in-joke, which wasn't actually a joke. It was, <laughs> and it was the funniest thing about the whole reading. You don't mind as long as they laugh. Um, so you, you've had some recent health issues. How is your health? Are you it's, good? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, great. because you look great. Thanks very much. Yeah. I, 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 I lost my gallbladder uh, about a year ago. Um, I had that was removed. And um, yeah, it's a learning to live without a gallbladder. Who knew you could do their organs in your body you can do without, Isn't it you know? amazing? And, um, and then I got COVID finally uh, about four weeks ago, having dodged it for just over two years. And um, it was it was fine. I, I mean, you know, look, I was one of the lucky ones. I know not everybody is, was as lucky as me and, and, and a lot of people suffer really badly with it. For me, it was, it was kind of mild, um, right. cold-like symptoms. I've had probably five colds that are worse than it over the last 10 years, you know, but like chatting to friends, discussing our symptoms and all that kind of thing, like that wouldn't happen with a, with a cold normally. Finally, I have to ask you, how's Ross? Um, have you any updates on him? Or do you have a kind of a love-hate relationship with him? <laughs> I love, I, I really love writing Ross. I hated the character at the beginning. I absolutely hated him. But that was, he was probably born, a good thing. Yeah, it was. I mean, he was born out of hatred. I despised people like Ross. But I suppose over the course of 20-something books, uh, you couldn't write about a character for that long without having some kind of regard or love for him. And so the new book is coming out in September um, and it's called Once Upon a Time in Donnybrook. And Ross is going to coach the Ireland women's team. So it's a big (laughs) step up for him uh, in terms of his career. And um, yeah. And the the difference for you between the books and the 
the newspaper column is. Yeah. Do, you, do you have to take a different approach to that, or to well, keep <clears throat> to, to sort of keep them in tandem, or yeah, how does I, that all work? I gave up on trying to keep them level years ago because. I didn't want to give away spoilers for the books and yeah. the columns. And then, so they kind of slowly veered off in different directions. So there was a point in the in the books where Ross had five children and in the column he only had two. And he had had triplets in one of the books. And it, they, were, they were around for about two years in the books. And I said, I've got to try to slip them into the column now this Sunday, uh, this Saturday. And uh, I, I thought I could sort of slip them in and nobody would say anything. Anyway, just deluge of people saying... What triplets? Where have these where have these kids suddenly come from? So I do I am aware of different readerships for the two. Right. Uh the people who read the books, uh a lot of them have been with me since the very, very first book back in two thousand, which is what, twenty two years ago now. And the column, uh, it tends to be I sort of characterize them as as um as golf club mums and yacht club dads. That's that's who tends to read the column. Uh, but th- there's a de- there's definitely a different tone between the two. For instance, I've never written a love a love making scene in the Irish Times because I'm not really sure no. if the Irish Times magazine re- uh, readership is ready for it yet. You talk about things that go viral. One of my favorite viral cri- clips is the the Kosumui Cup guys. I don't know. You probably know that yeah. with the sending it and yeah. all that. It's uh, and that is like it's hard to believe that that's actually real. That was a guy yeah. talking about an event. Yeah. Of uh, of of. Uh, I think they were BlackRock. They certainly students. were BlackRock guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so. Some of the best horseplay of all time. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, I I can't stop listening to that. You know, it's so awful, and yet at the <clears> same time, uh, it it you can't you can't turn away from it. Like it, it's it is amazing. They they're out there. You know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know they are. Well, look, it's it's really good to catch up with you, Paul. I, I love your work. I Thanks love so your much, humor, Bobby. and it's great to chat to you today. So, Likewise. Paul Howard, ladies and gentlemen, what a legend! Thanks very much. For Thanks, joining Bobby. Us. Thank you. Cheers. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.